Money in the bank. Instant reaction here on the Evan Roberts podcast. I think that was the loudest pop John Cena has ever gotten in his career. The only one that I think could match it is when he surprised everybody at the Royal Rumble at the Garden in 2008. But that was loud. That was electric for Cena. And I got to tell you, not that I'm popping when I'm sitting in my uh, TV room watching it, but I was very, very excited. Because, what is it? Not, Not loneliness makes the heart go fonder. Not seeing someone for a long time makes the heart grow fonder. Does that even make sense? I don't know. I was excited to see John Cena mainly because as I'm watching this show, you know, especially when Peacock sucked and, you know, felt like you couldn't see anything. It was shaking. You're basically watching this thing and having convulsions. And then luckily, Dave LaGreca of Busted Open gave the best advice, which was shut down your app restart it, everything's going to be fine, and he was spot on, so thank you to LaGreca. But I'm watching this show, especially over the last hour and a half, and even during the main event, the Edge-Roman Reigns match, which we'll get to in a second, and the entire time I was saying to myself, we need a big surprise. We need something massive. This is not just the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, which has almost become a part of the big four. Honestly, I think Money in the Bank has surpassed Survivor Series. Survivor Series has been bad the last few years. The whole Raw versus SmackDown bragging rights garbage. I think Money in the Bank is one of those elite-level events. It's a gimmick that works. But the entire time I'm thinking, we need a big surprise. We haven't had a live crowd at a pay-per-view. I know we did WrestleMania, but a full... You know, no empty seats, no social distancing, a packed house. We haven't had this in a year and a half. And for the WWE, it was special. We've seen it with baseball. We've seen it with basketball. We haven't really seen this with pro wrestling since before the pandemic started. And just knowing Vince and being a wrestling fan my entire life, he needed to give us something special. And even though I thought Edge Roman Reigns was a hell of a match, You couldn't end the show with Seth Rollins beginning a feud with Edge. I'm sorry. You couldn't end the show with Roman Reigns just saying, acknowledge me. Great match. I'm glad he kept the title. Fantastic. But as Seth involved himself, which was pretty predictable, I think that was something we kind of expected. It's been, the seeds have been planted for a Seth Rollins-Edge feud. You knew Edge wasn't winning the title tonight. But as that Seth Rollins-Edge brawl is going on and Roman is sort of involved because Seth says, you won because of me, I started thinking for a second, oh, God, are they going to involve Roman Reigns in the feud? Is this going to turn into a triple threat match? And while I thought the show was good, the show became great because of the ending. It did. It became great. Because John Cena is, you know, no matter what we all think of him, is a legend. He's a Hall of Famer, and we just haven't seen him. And if you really think about it, when have we seen John Cena? I mean, I know he did that WrestleMania thing with Bray Wyatt, the uh, Funhouse match, which was great. (laughs) That whole weird thing. But it wasn't even a match. It was just a gimmick. But outside of that, we haven't seen Cena. And so for him to come back, especially with the crowd, especially because Roman has become such a badass character, and look, I, I jumping ahead, 
Roman's going to beat him. Roman should beat him. It's probably just a one-off, which I think overall sucks. I mean, I would love to see John Cena have one last run, even if it's not as a full-time guy, but sort of being around the way Edge is. I mean, Edge isn't really a full-time guy, but he's around. You know, Brock Lesnar wasn't a full-time guy, but they were able to keep the title on him for a year. I'd love to see that with John Cena. I don't think it's going to happen. I get it. He's a movie star. He's making a ton of money. I mean, we saw what happened with The Rock two decades ago. Yeah, two decades ago. God, that makes you feel old. But nevertheless, this was important. They needed to have this. I think it adds a major, major box office appeal to SummerSlam, which you're putting in a stadium. And I just thought it let this show end with an exclamation point. Because I was ready to rip it. I was ready to do this podcast and say, yeah, there were some good matches. Yeah, but I needed a big surprise. Well, they gave it to us. And look, surprise, you know, define that word however you want. I know there have been rumors about John Cena. I brought it up probably on the last uh, wrestling event, Instant Reaction podcast. But it doesn't matter. The fact that he was there, the fact he showed up, it sort of qualifies as a surprise in that, hey, it's John Cena. And by the way, let me just state the obvious. Everybody knows it. Everybody's been saying it. But you know, let me just add to the fact that a live crowd just adds so much to the show. I mean, you watch SmackDown on Friday and this show tonight. Outside of Cena showing up, you could say that the match quality was the same. You know, I, I don't think the match quality has been bad the last year and a half. But something felt so fake and plastic about the Thunderdome. And I know Drew McIntyre said in one of his cheap pop moments, which he is a walking cheap pop now. Drew McIntyre is the definition of a guy who Vince wants to get over, and so he spends his time being a goofy, kiss-ass character. Drew McIntyre is Roman Reigns from three years ago. Roman Reigns from five years ago. But when McIntyre said, I think I speak for everybody when I say, I don't want to hear the Thunderdome again. I mean, he's right. Because there are a lot of moments throughout this show where at least I said to myself, God, this is so much better than pumped in crowd noise. You know, even if the crowd is chanting something, maybe management doesn't want them to chant, such as, we want Becky <laughs> during the Charlotte Flair Rhea Ripley match. Now, let me go through the card real quick and then obviously more thoughts on the main event where everything's going. Uh, the women's Money in the Bank match was was fine. It was entertaining. Nikki Cross winning doesn't do anything for me. I thought Alexa Bliss would win just because of her gimmick. But good match, but storyline-wise, who cares? I like AJ and Omos. I'm starting, that, that tag team is starting to grow on me because I guess they figure we really don't have anything to do with AJ. He's already had his main event push. He's out of the main event picture, so... He's making almost look like this machine. I, I just wonder, and I've mentioned this before, do they have enough confidence in Omos as a wrestler to have that eventual turn to give us an AJ feud with Omos, kind of like Shawn Michaels said? I don't know if they have enough confidence in his wrestling ability, but I like them as a tag team. Fine match, good match. AJ obviously carries it. He's the workhorse as they beat, who'd they beat? The Viking, the Viking Raiders. The WWE title match. We got to address this. So Bobby Lashley squashes Kofi Kingston. And I just, 
Look, I feel bad for Kofi because Kofi Kingston had his one championship run. It was a fine run. He didn't do anything wrong in that run. Kofi Mania, he beats Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania, and he drops the title in a squash to Brock Lesnar, doesn't get a rematch. Goes back to the mid-card, almost like, all right, good job, Kofi. Back to the mid-card you go. Now he's getting something I didn't think he would get again, which is another opportunity to main event, even though it's you know not the main event. It's the WWE Championship. And look, we all knew Lashley was going to win. I just didn't think they were going to squash Kofi. This was very reminiscent of when he dropped the title to Lesnar, and he's not getting a rematch. It's over. Lashley's moving on. But look, I give them credit for the way they're building Lashley. You know, when Lashley won the championship months and months ago from The Miz, he felt like a transition champion. I figured he was going to lose to McIntyre at WrestleMania, and he hasn't. And now we're deep into the summer. We're going into SummerSlam. Lashley still has the belt. It's an extended run, and they're making him look like a machine. It it just feels like inevitably he's got to face Brock. You know how the whole Roman thing has felt as inevitably he needs to face the Rock? I feel that way about Lashley, that I don't know if that's going to be SummerSlam. I mean, would they have dropped some hints or debuted that tonight? Maybe not, knowing they had John Cena. Maybe it's something you say for live TV. I don't know. But it just feels like that's who his... I'm not saying his last opponent, because I don't know if Brock would beat him, but it should lead to a Lashley-Lesnar match. Because when Brock came over and there was that appeal of Brock versus Lashley, it never made sense because Lashley wasn't a main eventer at that time. He really wasn't. Now he is. They've worked him in a way in which he comes across strong. He's obviously the WWE champion. So I don't know if that's what they have up their sleeve. If not, what do you do with him for SummerSlam? Like, who's a worthy opponent? You're obviously moved on from McIntyre, who now has his feud with old Jinder Mahal, which leads us to a possibility. And that is what they decided to do with the men's Money in the Bank match. Now, I admit, I am usually very partial to giving the money in the bank to a heel. It just fits a heel so much better. I think back to all the different money in the bank winners. The only time to me it worked with a face was Rob Van Dam. And I think it worked because it set up such an unusual match. You know, Rob Van Dam versus John Cena at an ECW show. So it wasn't just Rob Van Dam cashing in. He cashed it in with this kind of special... Match, if you will. A match at a location that, you know, maybe didn't feel as normal. So I don't necessarily love it with a face. But when you look at the guys in this match and you say to yourself, all right, if you want to create a star, you know, you don't want to just recycle it and give it to Seth, who I thought made a lot of sense on paper to give the bunny in the bank back to Seth, put him back in the main event picture, uh, harken back to his best moment when he cashed in at WrestleMania 31. But if there was somebody in this match that you looked at and said, star-making moment, it was clearly Kofi. It just was. Not Kofi. What am I talking about? Uh, Biggie. I'm thinking of the New Day. It was clearly Biggie. I mean, Ricochet's not ready to be a main eventer, in my opinion. Riddle's not ready to be a main eventer, in my opinion. Unfortunately, the ship has sailed with Nakamura, John Morrison... Even Kevin Owens, like the guy who had a chance to be made a main eventer in that match was Big E. And so from that standpoint, 
It makes a lot of sense. And here's the thing about Biggie, and you probably noticed this on Twitter. A lot of people are excited. And I get it because Biggie is a likable guy. He has a quality about him. And it's been that way for a long time where you just like him. He's got an infectious smile. He's got a good personality. He can move in the ring. He's got size. He's big. So you take him seriously. And I'm all in on a chance to see Biggie as a main eventer. Am I convinced it's going to work? I don't know. I don't know. I think the way he's booked now over the next few months will be interesting. But when you look at the body of work and you look at the fact that the fans clearly like him, I like him, a lot of people like him, this was his moment. And it makes sense. This is his time. So giving him the briefcase in what was, by the way, a hell of a match. I mean, I should point that out. A lot of great bumps in this match. Kevin Owens onto the ladder. Ricochet being pushed off the ladder by Riddle then jumps on the, uh, the the ropes and then 360s on a three people or whatever it was. Hell of a match. I mean, it was really... I know sometimes you wonder what else can you do in a Money in the Bank. We've seen it all. They pulled out all the stops. But now the tough part. How do you book Big E? He's a face. People like him. He can't do the typical chicken-ass way of becoming champion. And the payoff should be he becomes champion. You know, most of the time, what's the percentage? 90% of the time, if you have money in the bank and you cash it in, you're going to eventually win the championship. So you look at him and you look at both brands and you say, what makes sense? Before John Cena showed up, which again, I'm, I love, it's great, it's fantastic. There's your main event for SummerSlam. I thought to myself, does it make sense for Big E to just come out on SmackDown and say, I ain't wasting any time. I'm cashing in now. SummerSlam, me and Roman, universal title. Because he's a face. Kind of like what Rob Van Dam did. He's a face, you know. How are you going to cash in? going to cash in by saying, I want my chance. I'm not waiting around. I'm not looking to do this underhandedly. I want my chance. Let's go. SummerSlam, boom. Now, could he do that with Lashley? Absolutely. It works. It could still work if you want to do that with the WWE Championship. Because like I said, do we have an opponent for Lashley? And because he just beat Kofi and crushed Kofi, from a storyline perspective, it makes sense. But here's the question. If you do that, he's got to win. Which... Go back to what I said earlier, Lashley's dominance should lead to Brock Lesnar. Well, you're not doing that then. And are you ready to take the belt off Lashley? Because once he cashes in, logic says he's got to win the title unless, unless. And and, and this, this I'm working through in my head could also make a lot of sense for Big E if you believe in him. And you want to make this storyline awesome. And you really want to take your time with it. My only issue with Kofi Kingston's push is while he was in the company for a long time, it felt like the push was last second. It felt like they did it all in about four weeks. So sometimes you got to drag things out. So how about this idea? Big E says, I'm cashing in. Lashley, SummerSlam, let's go. My chance. Finally here to win the WWE Championship. And some kind of shenanigans occur. Maybe it is Brock Lesnar showing up. Who knows? Big E doesn't win the title. And then the next few months are him continu- or is him continuing to be built up. He wins the Royal Rumble and finally gets his moment at WrestleMania. So 
It is a long bill before Big E is crowned champion of the world. I don't know, just an idea, because he's a face. It's different. You know, booking a heel as the Money in the Bank winner is sort of easy. You're just waiting for your moment, and sometimes it's eight months later, you almost forgot they had the briefcase for them to cash in. When you've got a likable superhero as your Money in the Bank winner, you got to do things a little bit differently. But I like it. I'm all in favor of Big E winning. Good for him. The Charlotte Flair-Rhea Ripley match was a hell of a match. I should point that out. Even though early on the crowd was chanting for Becky Lynch. It was a hell of a match. And of course, Charlotte wins another women's title. Good for her. What is it? 18 now? 19? Wherever it is? No, but it was a good match. I don't really have anything to add to it other than, yes, very entertaining match. You got Rhea Ripley to tap out. and She's the new women's champion. And I assume Becky's coming back soon. She keeps dropping hints on Twitter that she will. So here we are, a month away from SummerSlam. We know we're looking at Seth Rollins against Edge. We know we're looking at Roman Reigns against John Cena. They'll probably continue the Usos against the Mysterios. So I think the big question is, all right, what do you do with Bobby Lashley? And what do you do with Big E? But overall, really good show, especially because they gave us that big moment at the end. Now, how is John Cena used? Over the next month to build up the SummerSlam. I hope he's there every single week. And, I mean, I guess the promos are basically Roman saying, acknowledge me, acknowledge me. And John Cena being the same sticky self he's been. I give it two weeks before the crowd starts booing him. By the time we get to SummerSlam, Roman will be cheered. John will be booed. You saw a little bit of that during the Edge Reigns match when you had the let's go Roman, let's go Edge thing. But Edge is lovable. Everybody likes Edge. It's a great comeback story. I think by SummerSlam, this is my prediction, John Cena will be booed and Roman Reigns will be cheered because Roman Reigns is kick-ass. Even though Roman had a big botch tonight. I don't know if you noticed this. So there were a lot of good moments during the main event. It was a really good match. Edge turned that Superman punch into a backslide for a close two. But when Charles Robinson got knocked out for an hour and a half and Edge had the long three count on Roman with no referee, so there's no ref. So Edge, I think it was a spear. Edge spears him, goes for the pin with no ref. And Roman must have been confused because he kicked out. There was no ref. And I think even Pat McAfee made a comment about it. Like, oh, Roman kicked out. Kicked out of what? There's no ref. Then he just lays back down. New ref comes in, and Roman kicks out a two and a half. And even Michael Cole said, oh, he could have had a 10 count. No, Roman kicked out of it eight seconds earlier. But whatever, it's, you know, it's a botch. It happens. No big deal. Great match, though. And they gave him a lot of time. Now, as far as Peacock's concerned, figure your crap out, Peacock. All right? You're not as good as WWE Network. You've taken material off because you deem it, you know, insensitive, which it probably is, but at least give us the opportunity to say we don't want to watch stuff from 1987. But even the stuff that isn't offensive, there's a lot of stuff that's still not there. There's a lot of event, a lot of Clash of the Champions are still not there. That's right. I was looking for a Clash of the Champions a couple of weeks ago, and I said, where the hell is it? Peacock didn't have it. So all of that, we understand all that's annoying. But when you have your pay-per-view or your big event once a month, you can't F it up. And tonight, me and many others had issues 
during the beginning of the men's money in the bank match. I only got it fixed because I took the advice on Twitter of shut down the app, restart it, and everything will work. And it did. I don't know about anybody else. I'm sure there were some that said, F this, just shut it off and went to bed. Or shut it off and watched a a replay of Michael Conforto hitting that monstrous game-winning two-run homer today. Boy, did they need that. Boy, did they need that. That, This game, and I guess we'll talk about it, Carton and Roberts, 2-7, all that. This game felt like the season was on the line. Now, you want to say that's that's crazy, Evan? I, I get it. It is crazy. Mets would have still been in first place. You could lose this game, get swept by the Pirates, and go win eight in a row. Totally get it. Meanwhile, they could also now lose eight in a row. Jacob DeGrom's hurt. Who, know, who knows when he's going to pitch again? Uh, obviously, their rotation's got holes all over the place. Lindor's out. I get all that. I'm not predicting the future. I'm just telling you, in the moment, it felt as if that ninth inning, and really the comeback, the slow comeback, and Aaron Loop getting out of a bases-loaded, nobody-out jam, whatever it was. Felt like it saved the season. And John Cena saved money in the bank. Either way, uh, thanks for listening. We'll be uh, in all week, Carton and Roberts. Two to seven all week long. So make sure you're listening on the fan. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast.